Welcome to Season 5 of the Shock Your Potential Podcast with your host, best-selling author and international speaker, Michael Sherlock. The Shock Your Potential Podcast is dedicated to entrepreneurs looking to up their game, increase their income, and scale their businesses to new heights. Shock Your Potential is a professional services company providing affordable services to small businesses, matching entrepreneurs with virtual assistants, and offering specialized leadership and sales training to companies around the world. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and listen in now to another motivating episode that will help you to shock your potential. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. And all month long, we are talking about money, 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 and why money matters. And we know it matters on a lot of levels, but my guest today is going to talk, I think, about mindfulness and money. And you know how I all feel about mindfulness, and I say it with such passion because it's so important to me. I have a feeling we're going to talk about it a little bit, but we're going to talk about why money matters, and perhaps why mindfulness may help you even more. So my guest is Jonathan Dio, and he's a, now listen to his background, because this is amazing. He's a Lutheran seminarian turned Buddhist academic turned financial advisor. So he's had a few different uh, hats that he's worn over the years, but he's also been an investor for over 40 years and an advisor for almost 30. Now he, in last year in 2021, merged his wealth management practice into EP Wealth, which is a national fiduciary firm where he continues to work with his clients. But I know he's going to talk about something that's very personal that also changed his business. And last year also, he lost his only sibling and he wanted to return to a vision that he and his brother shared because in 2006, they co-founded a company called Workers Financial to bring education, financial coaching, and tools to people who were either struggling to get started or recovering from some form of financial ruin. And many people can understand that. Now, Jonathan speaks and writes about personal finance, wealth and culture, and behavioral wealth. Now, listen to that, behavioral wealth for news outlets like Business Insider and MindBodyGreen.com. He's also the author of Amazon bestseller book called Mindful Money, Simple Practices for Realizing Your Financial Goals and Increasing Your, get this, you need to listen to this, Increasing Your Happiness Dividend. That's going to be a great one for me. He's also been featured in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal. He speaks locally, nationally. I bet he's on the way to going internationally. And he talks specifically about the intersection of money and mindfulness and didn't know whether we should put him on this month for Money Matters or next month for Mindful May, but I think we're going to find a way to segue through. Jonathan, thank you so much for being with us today. Wow, Michael, that was the best introduction I've ever heard. A little lengthy, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I left some of it out. I have so much fun, Jonathan, reading people's bios because it's like this little window into people's souls. And, you know, I think it's when, when you write your bio, it's like looking at your career and saying, what, what things are really important to me? And then pulling those out. So I love, I love them. And I try and make them as fun as possible. <laughs> I, I, you know what I've, I don't think I've ever given that full bio to anybody. So I'm, I'm wondering how you cobbled that together. There's, there's stuff in there that I don't remember. It's not on any bio I've written, which is amazing. You know, I have a team. I have it sounds like it. We don't we don't just pick people because you know they send us a you know hey I'd like to be on your show. We pick people for specific reasons. We do a little background on you. <laughs> yeah, it feels it. I feel it. Yeah. Exactly. We want to make sure that we're bringing guests to our platform that we know we're going to enjoy, that we feel has a message that's really going to resonate with our listeners, and I know you're going to fit that bill. So 
I hit the highlights of your impressive resume, but tell us a little bit more in your own words about you, your businesses, and, and your mission, and how you believe this will help people to shock their financial potential. Yeah, I mean, you covered you covered <laughs> such a wide range of, of what I do. I mean, uh, I think the thing that I do is I bring together two things. Um, I think I bring together, and this is the title of the book, but I bring together this awareness, uh, this non-judgmental awareness of the way things are, uh, and sort of a knowledge about finance, a knowledge about money, a knowledge about planning, a knowledge about investing. Mm-hmm. And I think that most people get it wrong. Uh, even most advisors, I think, get it wrong because uh, there's things that we spend so much time trying to predict and analyze that we ha- that, that are not predictable. We, we cannot tell what thing happens next. And just as a quick example, you know, the Ukraine gets invaded by Russia and and people get upset and they get bent out of shape and they and they they say, hey, let's sell our investments. But you know what? They could be at peace tomorrow. You have no right. idea what comes next. Right. And that that leads us to be less judgmental about every situation and make better long-term decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's how that's how finance works. It's also, frankly, how happiness comes around. That's where that happiness dividend comes from. I love the happiness dividend. I think that's such a great term. And I I really appreciate that you're talking about helping people recognize and talk about money and investments and finances and all that without judgment, because there's so much, there's so much baggage we all carry around with us, whether we think we have enough or we don't have enough, or, you know, we're not making good decisions or we made bad decisions. There's so much judgment in that judgments of ourselves, judgments of others, what we think, you know, it means to be them. And that's a lot of extra baggage to carry around on all the other baggage we're already carrying around. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, politics doesn't help this. Uh, and the us versus them doesn't help this at all. But I've worked with, when I've worked with clients that have $80 million, I work with clients that have $10,000 in an IRA. I work with clients that have, that are $250,000 in debt. So mm-hmm. they all have challenges. They all have issues. They're all, you know, frankly, of course, we'd all rather have the 80 million the, the, the happiness factors, the factors that determine well-being, they're not unique to people with yeah. money. It's, it's how do you get more out of life? How do you make better decisions for you and your family from where you are knowing and, and, and really seeing that we're all becoming, whether you have 80 million or $200,000 in debt, you're becoming and your, your humanity is becoming, and that is okay. Wherever you are, that is okay. Let's, let's move from, let's move from there. Let's figure it out. You know, this last weekend, my husband and I went to Rhode Island for a long weekend, never been there. That was one of my last states to hit. And we wanted to go, um, we stayed in Newport and we toured a couple of the Vanderbilt mansions. And it's really interesting because we're both, my husband's finished the book and I'm reading the book right now uh, that was written by Anderson Cooper about what how he finally decided after his mom passed to research the Vanderbilts. Because he's like, I didn't grow up with that money, but people knew the name. So they assumed we had all this wealth. Well, you know, they, they had enormous wealth and then lost it, you know, lost everything. But walking through some of those mansions, I was judging those people because I'm like, how could you, how could you have this kind of excess where you have people who've literally taken gold leaf on, on an entire ballroom? Like, you know, it just is massive. And then I stopped myself and said, you don't know what they were 
doing. You didn't know what, you know, you didn't, you don't know what that price tag was. You didn't also know what they were facing or what they were trying to accomplish, but it's really hard sometimes. And then I'm like, you have nothing, you, you have nothing to say about that. There's times when you were flat broke. So <laughs> I'm trying to have a little less judgment of myself too. <laughs> For sure. For sure. I don't know. Gold leaf. You can judge the gold leaf ballroom. I think you can judge it a little bit. They had a, they had in the marble house, which was one of the second houses uh, that an entire bathtub that had been carved from one single piece of marble. And you had to fill that up four times before it would get warm enough to stay warm, to have a bath. And I'm like, I'm going to judge that a little bit, <laughs> but yeah, I really want to be well, in that bathtub. <laughs> you, you can't, you, you can judge the bathtub and you can, you can judge sort of the choice of an expense given the, the, the lack you see other places, but you have, I mean, the, the, you have to admit, you have no idea the other decisions, the other things that they face. And it's not that their lives are easy because they have money. It's just right. not the case. Like life right. is tough for all of us. Yeah. And one of the, uh, one of the sound bites, you know, cause you did like the audio tour, one of the, one of the Vanderbilt said, you know, people don't understand the burden you bear growing up, um, heir to a fortune because, and, you know, one of the women said to, you know, you don't know if anybody loves you for you or just for your money. And yeah. So, I mean, they're just different, different crosses to bear, but let me ask you, so this is, I really love what you, this is a really different approach to talking about money with people. Did this come because of your background um, or be, did your background kind of flow into this? How did this merge to come to this level of a passionate business for you? So it, I mean, it's, it is really, I have this background where I meditate a lot and I, and I, and I really think about the meaning of life and I really think about what makes people happy and these kinds of things. And then I entered the financial world and I became an advisor and I was a broker on wall street and I was, you know, selling mutual funds and stocks and municipal bonds or whatever I could sell. Cause I was trying to earn commissions. Okay. Um, and what I realized, and, and this, this probably took me eight years to figure out everyone that says they know what's going to happen next. Everyone that's, that's, that's like, uh, prognosticating the next economic outcome, whether it's positive or negative, mm -hmm. or that's saying, hey, you know, my fund is gonna be better than that fund or what I'm doing, the way I'm investing is gonna be better than that. They're all predicting things that are not predictable. Right. And so the, the concept of the application of mindfulness, the non-judgmental awareness of the present moment to finance sort of became natural. And, and I very early on started writing the book in 2009, and very early on, I'm thinking, okay, this is the thing, right? I, I really need to embrace this and go forward. But I was scared because I was scared of the judgment of my peers. I was scared that they'd be like, this is squishy. This is soft. You know, you can't, you can't say this in finance because finance is, you know, it's math and you can figure it out. You can answer the question. You can do the analysis and you can't. And I kept saying, well, maybe I'm wrong. You know, second guess myself. No, I don't think I'm right. Maybe everyone else does the other thing. How can I believe what I think when I think? But over time and you know, understanding behavioral wealth and understanding behavioral finance and behavioral psychology, we're all snowed. We all believe we can predict and we can't predict. And so it took me until I think 2019 to rename my firm Mindful Money. And I was like, all right, this is what I believe. This is why I'm going forward. You know, wrote the book. The book was published seven years later, two years after that. So it's like, it's like 10 years <laughs> since I made the decision to believe in it that I finally renamed the firm and embraced it. So you were an overnight hard, success. Hard road. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's interesting too that you know you talk about reflecting on that. And is this the right thing? And what are people going to say? Which is all about what you're also you lived it and breathed it, but you're helping other people recognize it. Cause that's the whole point of mindfulness. It's right. not that you're perfect at meditation, but that you recognize when you are 
without, you know, deviating from mindfulness. So that awareness is really, really important. And I can see how that would come to play in helping people make some better long and short-term decisions. Yeah. I mean, the, so the foundation, I mean, the, the reality is, and this is, I, I love saying this because everyone always doubts it, right? But the reality is you can have better financial outcomes if you do this the right way. And the right way isn't predicting what happens next. The right way is knowing what your goals are, focusing on planning and pursuing the plan, not you know ignoring, literally ignoring the fact that Russia invades Ukraine or that the election cycle or what's gonna happen. Because Obama was president, markets went up. Trump was president, markets went up. Biden is president, markets are gonna go up then too. Mar markets don't care about the political yeah. environment, right? And so we don't need to get bent out of shape in terms of our finances are about those issues. And so separating it all out and focusing on the long-term, knowing what you want, pursuing that, ignoring the noise, you get better outcomes, both mm -hmm. financial outcomes and again, your happiness dividend. I was thinking about how uh, long, long ago, I worked for a uh, credit counseling agency, nonprofit, mm -hmm. and I did, I was head of their um, education department. And so I did a lot of, I did a lot of adult classes, but I did a lot of uh, you know, high school and junior high classes on everything for how to prepare to buy your first car for, you know, budgeting, uh, you know, when you're used to actually um, balance your checkbook, <laughs> nobody balances a checkbook anymore. Nobody has a checkbook anymore. Um, but I know, you know, talking with kids about money was challenging enough because in their mind, you just get more and then you're happier. Um, and trying to get them to think about planning was really difficult. But as you're talking, I'm thinking, how much more powerful would those classes, money management classes be now when the world is more aware of mindfulness and you can use the terminology and help people to understand that you're not just trying to tell them how they should manage their money, but help them make decisions based on really what they want to accomplish not just right now, not just what I want right now. What do what I want right this moment is different than what I want later. And how do I how do I see that more from a mindfulness perspective instead of a delayed gratification perspective? I don't know, I'm getting a little I'm getting a little fluffy on this too. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's I mean you you said something that's really, really important and that's um, people aren't capable of planning for a future that they can't imagine. So it's one of the first things uh, is to is to really get people out of their current self and get them thinking about uh, a life timeline. Uh, and my mm -hmm. one of the reasons I bought my first stock when I was nine, and, and one of the reasons that I've been sort of engaged in this process my whole life is my dad. When I'm I'm like eight or nine years old, and he's saying, "Yo, Jonathan, the normal path is this: you're going to go high school, you're going to go to college, you're going to probably get married, you're probably going to have some kids by the time you're 30. You know, I had he had he had me when he was 30, his mom had him when she was 30. So it's like, there's this process that lives just kind of follow. And so you should think about that. And so he got me out of my current self at nine years old, thinking about what it was gonna be like when I was 30 and I had my first kid. And so if you, if you can imagine that, then you can plan for it. You know, what do I want my life to look like? And if you know what your life will look like or what you want it to look like, then you can make some rational choices. But if you're just flying by the seat of your pants, then social media, whatever you see on social media is the thing you're going to pursue. Right. That's true. That's very true. Wow. That's pretty deep conversation for a nine-year-old. So this, you're going to do this, 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 get married, have a kid 30 years. I know. 
He's a serious guy, my dad. Serious guy. Love him. Love him. I, I was just telling the story to uh, somebody I was interviewing for this series yesterday. And it was a great memory because I, I remember that when I was um, in my, you know, like eight, nine, 10, <clears throat> and I was had my first savings account. And that was at the time when interest rates were very high. So I thought every time you put money in a bank, you got 13% interest. I was like, this is awesome. I had no concept of what houses cost or any of those things. But I remember the day that the branch manager, you know, who sometimes he would, you know, run my little passbook through the little thing for me or whatever. And he'd always ask me, you know, did you get this babysitting or, you know, you know birthday money? And, and he said, you know, you have $250 in there right now. You could take that money and put it in a six month savings bond. And then you get whatever interest more, but you can't touch it for six months. And I'm like, put it in there. And that started a pattern with me um, until I was 14 and I had enough saved up because um, it accelerated to buy my first 10 speed. And it was such this sense of, wow, I didn't know how money could actually grow. And then of course, you know, money didn't grow quite as fast then and nobody taught me about investing that age. <laughs> but it was- Yeah, passbook savings. I love that. Remember, I remember those? that? Yep, 13% oh. passbook savings, no more, 0% now. Exactly. I know they're like savings, what are you talking about? Just give us your money. <laughs> you can pay us to let us hold your money for you. Right. Well, I, I love it. Well, Jonathan, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor and we will be right back. Do you want to be a go-to expert that news reporters, anchors, and media producers turn to? Are you a media professional looking for credible, reliable, and timely guests? If you answered yes to either of those questions, then shock your media potential is for you. This one-of-a-kind platform connects vetted experts with news professionals around the globe. As a part of our launch celebration, you can participate for free in our Shock Your Media Potential virtual conference running March 28th through April 1st. Together with my co-host, Eddie Luisi, known as stage manager to the stars and also stage manager for Good Morning America, we have interviewed 25 media personalities and professionals to ask them the questions you need to know the answers to. Like, how can I make myself more newsworthy? How do I best pitch a story? How do I get invited back again and again? And much more. Some of our guests are household names with exceptional on-camera careers. Others are award-winning directors, producers, camera operators, audio engineers, celebrity hair and makeup professionals, and so much more. To learn more about our platform and our conference today, go to shockyourmediapotential.com. And we are back with Jonathan Dio, and we're talking about mindful money, which I just, I love that we're talking about this in so many ways. So when people come to work with you, you know, how do you, do they come because, Hey, that's, I'm already mindful and I want to, you know, I want to look in this or, Hey, I'm not really sure what you can do for me. What kind of, what kind of reasons bring people to your door to work with you? I, you know, 90% of people don't come to me thinking my, there are a few people that read the book or, or listen to a podcast and find us that way. But 90% of people are really looking for, you know, wisdom around the retirement plan. You know, how, how, how am I going to retire? I mean, that's, I think the biggest drive out there or the biggest fear we have outside of death and taxes is running out of money. You know, if we run out of money, what happens? Uh, and so retirement planning ends up being the 
90% of our time. Uh, almost everything we do is retirement income planning. And and people find us all kinds of different places, but I think that's the that is the number one issue that we solve for. And most advisors, I think, would say the same thing. So when you have those first discussions, do you say we're going to talk about this from a mindful money perspective? We we don't call it mindful money in the beginning. In, in the beginning, it's really about um, getting to who they are. And then we we use phrases like, you know, we, we do have like a, an initial conversation. And in our initial conversation agenda, we have a, we have performance in quotes. And our, you know, we're asking, we put this in quotes, you know, why do you think we put this in quotes? And, and people go, well, you know, it all depends on the person and all depends on, you know, what, what, what are your, what, what does performance mean? And, and they don't quite understand until we explain it, that we have no idea what performance is going to be. Uh, I think the difference between us and most advisors is we're going to, we're just going to say that right up front before you've hired us before. I don't know what the S and P is going to do. I don't know what emerging markets going to do. I don't know what bonds are going to do. No one does. That doesn't mean we can't plan. That doesn't mean we can't make decisions. It just means we make decisions around different timeframes. Uh, and so maybe that informs how we plan or, or the kinds of, you know, how big is your emergency fund or those kinds of things. But, right. but the question of, uh, 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 of how does mindfulness or when does mindfulness come into play? We're talking about ideas of mindfulness without naming mindfulness mm -hmm. in the very beginning. And then eventually, you know, they get a book and they go, oh, I get it now. You're like, and before our next session, take my book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's the book. Enjoy. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I think that that's, you know, it makes total sense that you kind of get people to think about it without asking them to think about it. But those are the, those are the questions that get people making different decisions. I know that, um, you know, my husband and I right now are finalizing our trust. And the questions and the dialogues that we've had about them, and, and we're really very open in how we discuss money and what we're planning and what we've been working on. Um, but it's interesting, the different discussions that we've had, and it's, and it's really led to some, some deeper discussions, deeper discussions about, you know, um, uh, histories with money and, you know, and lesson things that, you know, you're taught as a child and those things that, you know, that creep up in the back of your head that you don't always think about. And when you pay more attention to them, you start to understand yourself a little bit more, which may also help you make decisions or at least have better discussions with your partner, with your advisor to, to plan for what you really want, not what you've been maybe conditioned to do. Or to and, think and I mean, if you're doing a trust, it probably means you have kids, I'm guessing. And yeah. if you have kids, um, wow, that, that opens up all kinds of more conversations, you know, what happens with them after you. And then it becomes, you know, is, is your sister better or is my sister better? Like, who's going to, who's going to actually end up raising them? And that, those questions get really well, deep. Well, even that, well, all ours are grown, which is good, but even more in there is that one of them's mine and two of them are his. Ah. So then you've got all kinds of dynamics and, you know, and, and we've had some really good dis discussions about what, where each one of us were when we came to the marriage and, you know, what does that mean? And, and how do we acknowledge and respect each other for where we are in those places? And that, what, it, you know, they've been, they've been, they not, none of the conversations have been bad or um, even really uncomfortable, just really eye-opening and very, um, took it to a whole nother deep level, which I think has been great, but man, I wouldn't have thought about it. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting because people think, oh, an advisor is there to pick investments and time the market. And that's not at all what advisors do, or 
I should say that 80, you know, there's a whole bunch of advisors that claim that that's what they do, but that's not, that's not the value an advisor can provide. The value an advisor, and in this case, an estate planning advisor can provide is just how do we contextualize this issue in a, in a life that's complex, that has lots of moving pieces, that has, you know, in your case, you know, two kids from one marriage, one kid from another, you know, how do we do this? How do we make this make sense and make it fair, make it work, you know, allow us to love each other in this, you know, series of questions, you know, how do we, how do we do this? And that's, wow, an advisor or someone that can actually guide through that process is huge, huge. It really is. And I think too, you know, we, we have looked late, late, uh, recently at a couple of people that we know where there's been a loss of a spouse mm. and we've seen kind of what has happened. And that's really, um, also driven some conversations about, wow, you know, we never talked about those kinds of issues or, you know, gosh, I wish, you know, I'm, I wish somebody had talked to them about it because there's, there's a lot of people that don't make these long-term, maybe some of these tougher decisions because they're uncomfortable Yeah, and it's too bad because there's repercussions that can last a lifetime after that. Yeah. My, my brother was a, uh, I mean, I'm, I've always been, I was the firstborn, you know, I, I, I have lists upon lists upon lists. I have things I do. I check off the box. He was never that way. And I was always saving every step of the way he, he would t- get money and he would spend it and you go into their garage and they've got, you know, the kids have new bikes and, uh, and he was relying a lot on the, on the outcome of the equity in a business, right. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when this business sells or goes public, you know, uh, and so when he died last year, you know, it, it throws a lot of stuff, uh, yeah creates tons of problems for the family. Um, and yeah, thankfully I've planned well, you know, there's, there are assets and things, but if you don't plan and don't think about the, don't, don't think, don't ever think that this can't happen to me. Like that's the right. thing is I lived for 50 years before a trauma hit me, but a trauma hit me. And now, you know, I gotta be a great uncle, not a good uncle. I gotta be a great uncle. Oh, yeah. um, I gotta be there for the boys and, and their family is going to have a different scenario. Like they don't have that income anymore. Uh, and it's, it's, hard if it hasn't been planned for. Yeah. And I, you know, I think too, we've also seen examples where people actually did, you know, have wealth and it, you don't even know where it went, you know, like, where did that go? Because a little was here, some got, you know, tied up, you know, during uh, probate and all, you know, just weird things. And then you have loss of generational income, you know, that there is an opportunity to build, not the, you know, like I keep telling my mom, who's going to turn 90 in a couple of weeks. I'm like, mom, None of your six kids need your money. Just keep spending it. Do you want to go buy more clothes? Go buy more clothes. I don't care. But, you know, I don't want you to to worry about that. However, um, the rest of us, we can plan and do some things for our kids if we if we're able to. But you got to to your point, you can't think that it's never going to happen to me or it's only going to happen when I'm 89. You know, we have to think about what could happen tomorrow and then hope we can just continue to have great opportunities to walk the earth between now and then. I I never believed the bumper sticker until it happened. Yeah. I'm sorry for your loss with your family because I know that that, um, I I, I know that that has left a hole in your heart, but it also to the point in your um, bio, you talked about, you know, this really prompted you to say, okay, some of these things that we talked about and dreamed about, you know, really making, bringing out to the world that I want to do that now. And so has part of that been real healing for you? I hope. 
I'm not going to claim healing just yet. I think, uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so my, my folks were here last week and they left yesterday and, you know, we're in the morning before they're leaving. I, I, we're all crying. Like it's just, it yeah. just, it's been eight, nine months and it's uh, every day. It's, it's a surprise. Like <laughs> what's yeah. going to happen today. Yeah. But that being said, uh, we had this dream of, of really giving people this advice that needed it. Not, not the wealthy people that already, that already had it, but people that wanted to build it and wanted to have this space or have some answers. And he was the technical genius. I and mean, he was, he knew how to take a message and scale it digitally, um, you know, build, build things that enable people to log into them and, and check things out and get information. And I don't know how to do any of that. Mm -hmm. um, so we were talking earlier, we did launch the mindful money podcast, or I, I did launch the mindful money podcast to get the same message out it scales in a podcast. It doesn't scale quite the same way. We don't have the quite the same distribution as we would have had, but the message is going to go out there and I'm going to do it with interviewing a bunch of other people. And I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'll have the same impact without him as I would have had with him. And that, that, that hurts my heart for sure. I know, but I know that he's with you as you're doing yeah. it. So he's with you there. Well, I know we are going to have all your contact information on our show notes, and I can guarantee you, you're going to have people who are going to check you out, but in case they don't want to look at the show notes yet, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah. Best place to go is to mindful.money. There's all kinds of social media there. Um, the best place to connect with me directly is on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Mindful.money. I love it when we have all these new uh, web uh, pages. No. Nobody has a dot com anymore. Right. <laughs> it's Who a needs dot com? Else. <laughs> exactly. Well, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Absolutely. Uh, the, the phrase that I would repeat over and over and over when you think about your finances is stop predicting, start planning, and stay mindful. Ooh, I love it. That sounds like a wonderful catchphrase. Jonathan, thank you so much, not only for sharing your personal story with us, which I greatly appreciate, but for sharing your vision and hope that we can all use mindfulness to, uh, to make better decisions, to build that wealth for ourselves and our future. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Michael. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today. <laughs>